Sean, lift us up, bro. All right. Father Jesus, thank you for all the familiar faces in the room. Um, <clears throat> that we can come together and see each other weekly and um, enjoy one another's one another's lives. Uh, to share Jesus in each one of our hearts with one another. Um, I'm praying for Mike that that Jesus would show up in his speech, in his words, and penetrate each heart in this room. And uh, that we just have a sweet time together right now, God. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Mm, amen. Thank you, man. Amen. Amen. I just want to remind everyone, too, about the safety that you're in. And it's not the building, but it's the people. And you'll find out when people are safe is when you hang out with one another outside of this room. But our heart has always been and will continue to be, gang, is to remind you that you have a voice. You know, Deb and I, we get a chance to live a lot of life with a lot of people. And, and I understand it. I, trust me, trust me, I do understand it. And sitting in a place and just watching. That's the model that has been set up for, for a bunch. And that's okay if that works. But it didn't for us anymore. Because see, our heart is for this, the living Word, to become life for you and for us. And that the same Holy Spirit, the same chains that are unbroken are the same chains and the same Holy Spirit that indwells inside us. And so therefore, it is hard at times for apathy. Apathy is not going to hang out in this room. They're not going to hang out with you. Because you're about being who He says you are. And I love that about you. And so we come in here together, and it's kind of our living room. We've said that before. That this is a place where we just get to kind of just go, ah. And the other piece that's a little bit different about hanging out with us, each other in here, is that even tonight, there are times that you'll hear me ask a question. And you'll know whether or not if I want your response back. Most of the time, I want to hear you. I mean, you really do. And gang, here's the thing that we can't be afraid of. It's because, see, here's the reason why I do that. Is that there may be someone in the room and you may necessarily not feel comfortable in, in talking with me or Deb or anyone that's up here. But if you hear someone say an answer out here, you may just go, well, I know that cat. And he's oh, I didn't know he knew that. I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to go talk to her. Find your voice. That's why He blew life into us. And that's, that's the feel that we get and because we know that when we say it in here, then we're going to be all about saying it out there, right? And our lives, as we'll hear tonight, is, it's, it's what's screaming it the most. And so over the next few weeks, I'm, kind of, I'm really excited about this, giddy almost, because uh, this is it's a selfish thing, because I love having fun and bringing this in a manner that I, that I think connects. That makes you think about why God wrote these words in this book. And how do they apply to me today? And so, I was in the kitchen and Raleigh was asking questions, you know, go, how come all these guys don't have last names? Or did they have last names? And where are they from? And, 
And so, you know, it got me thinking, you know, about just the disciples. And I asked myself this question, Bibbo, can you name them? And all of us in here right now, boy, we would squirm, I believe, if we said, if we were held to the test of going, you got to name all the boys that hung out with Jesus in the first round. <laughs> you remember that show, um, Make a Millionaire? What was it where you had to phone a friend? I would run out. <laughs> I would be phoning everybody in the world going, man, I, all right, I'm, I'm done. Who, who are the 12? And gang, it's okay. So after these weeks, we'll know who they are. You will have been introduced to not only them, but to other people that as... If you were here that one night and listened to the Jordans and what they said, I love how they said, the power of a life-changing yes. And that's what these guys did. That's what these ladies did. They had the power of a life-changing yes. And so, I'm going to steal what the Jordans shared with us and go... Why did they say yes? And is our yes similar to what we will see starting tonight with this crazy man, John the Baptizer? He's a wild man. He is. And if you've read anything about him, you would absolutely love to hang out with him. He would be right in the midst of what, what you're doing every day. He would want to follow you. You'd be following him. And we're going to find out why here in a second. Because your hearts are kindred. You have the same Jesus blood heart pumping through you. So, let's find out. Let me give you just a little bit of background about this guy before we start um, digging into uh, actually seeing some conversations that he had. Um, If you remember, he had a a pretty nice pedigree. So, if, if, and what I mean by that is if you go back and look at his mom and daddy, you know, growing up, it, you will hear this a lot. Who's your mom and daddy? Right? Where are you from, son? <laughs> Who you belong to? Well, John, his daddy was a priest. His name was Zachariah. And his mama, Elizabeth. Now, his mama was in the line of Aaron, the very first priest. He was Moses' brother. That's... That's pretty high, high calling, right? That's his mama. His daddy was the guy that was in the Holy of Holies. Now, if you remember, they did that once a year. You walked into the Holy of Holies, so it'd be like, here's this outer sanctum here, and then here's this inner sanctum, and you would go into that once a year, and that's where the priest met God to reconcile the sins of everyone, including himself, for the year. He was in the Holy of Holies. And in that, Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying like crazy for a child. It didn't happen. And the angel Gabriel comes in and says, Bro, your day is just about to change. He didn't quite say it like that. But I, and I'm pretty sure he didn't say a bunch of words that had TH on the end of them either. But he looks at Zechariah and he says, Man, what you've been begging for is coming. You're going to have a son. And he is going to be the one that prepares the way for the coming Messiah. Now gang, here's here's the priest. He knows what and who that represents. And he's having a conversation with the angel and saying, your son is going to be the one to prepare the way and to tell everyone. And you know what Zechariah did? He laughed. 
<laughs> he, was, he was shaking in his shoes, but he laughed. And he said, man, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And he, he struck him mute. So let, let's go in here and just take a look at this just for a second. It's in Luke 1. Get your screen out. So that's the scene. Zechariah is in the Holy of Holies. He's offering this, the sin offering for mankind. And Gabriel shows up. So it's in Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to go all the way down first to verse 13. It says, But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Verse 14, You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Listen to this. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. And look at this game. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before His birth. And He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Now, here's the thing that we don't know. Zechariah and Elizabeth were old in their age when John came on the scene. Okay? So, we're not sure how long they lived afterwards. But we have to let this sink in just for a second and, and kind of stretch ourselves just a little bit on how did he know he was the one? What were the conversations like? How many of us, whenever you were born, you know, our kids do this a lot. Uh, they'll want their mama to recount what it was like before, you know, when it was time, you know, when the water broke and it was time to rush to the hospital. Mama, what time of day was I born? Was I the hardest delivery? And so there's these questions. And so I don't think John would have been any different. I think Zachariah and Elizabeth have said, Son, let me tell you how you came about. Let me, let me tell you what I was doing that day when I found out. See, your mother wasn't the first one that told me that we were going to have you. Isn't that usually the case? That if a woman's pregnant, she's the one that goes and tells the man, Hey, hon, we're going to have a baby. Eyebrows raised for most. Oh, really? Wowzers. <laughs> okay. <coughs> he says, God through Gabriel told me about you, son. And here's what he said. He said, you're going to be the one that tells everyone that Jesus is coming. And at one point, did John ever push back on that? Did he ever have these conversations with himself like, Dad, you're crazy, man. I don't, I don't know. But at some point, we're going to see that he did believe it. And, and maybe even other conversations with family members that were around him. John, do you, do you really realize what happened that night? And so doesn't God speak to us in the same fashion through the Holy Spirit now? And so let's, let's keep connecting with Him. Let's flip over to Matthew 3. This is just life-changing stuff. Matthew chapter 3. It said, In those days John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. So now he's grown up. Alright? 
And so he's grown up from the fact of knowing and hearing that his mom and dad told him how he was going to live his life, but he still has to accept it. He still has to believe that that's the path for him. He still has to believe that he was the one that leapt in his mama's womb when she walked into the Messiah's home when Mary was carrying Jesus. It says he leapt in her womb. And so now he's out leaping in a different fashion. And he's telling everyone that Jesus is coming. And he's in this scene right here and he's going, look, in those days, this is Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, says, In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was this. Verse 2. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. <coughs> Gang, what he's saying, he's saying repent here. It's the Greek word metanaiu. I, I, I mispronounce that more than I pronounce it correctly. But what he is saying... He's saying, change your mind. Unchain your heart. Unchain your heart from unbelief. And turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, wouldn't that sound strange coming from a guy whose daddy was a priest? Most around him would have known that. And how would they have responded to the fact of saying, where did God go? God's always been here. And then John's preparing. He's preparing them to start receiving a different authority. He's preparing them to unchain their heart and say, look, man, I know that it's been this way for a long time, but I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I'm telling you, unchain your heart and accept the Messiah is coming. Your salvation is on His way. Let's keep going. Verse 3, And he said the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He, now he's talking about what John is doing right now. He's saying, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for Him. And didn't they? But gang, check this scene out. Will you go here with me just for a second? Alright, so go back and read that. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, you know how many years before that? The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John. Now picture this. How many of us have ever read stories to children? All of us probably, right? We've read stories to children, right? His daddy was a priest. His daddy knew what Isaiah said. And so just go with there with me just for a second. Maybe at bedtime sometimes, Daddy had the scrolls. And he pulled Isaiah 40 out. We would have it labeled Isaiah 40. And Daddy scrolls out the scroll. And he said, son, listen to this. You're going to be the one. You're the voice that's shouting in the wilderness. The coming of the Lord is coming. And he's going, son, that's you. That's you, John. And for him to continue to hear that up and through his childhood to manhood, and now he's in the water. Go on. John's clothes, verse 4. I love his way he dresses. I think he's pretty cool. By the way, just a quick little deal before we talk about his clothing. You're a voice. You're the voice in the wilderness. Your voice screams out that Jesus is who He says He is. 
And that the authority of Him in you allows you to carry your life in the way that you do at work and at home and at schools and our universities. It's beautiful. You're the voice in the wilderness. And so in verse 4, John, he's clothed up here. Let's look. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. Is there fine camel hair? <laughs> I don't know. I just picture all camel hair to be kind of rough and coarsey and... I'm not. If you ever watched Bear Grylls, he kind of he climbed in a camel carcass. Did y'all remember that? You remember that? But anyway, John's wearing coarse camel hair. He's wearing a leather belt, and he's eating uh, locusts and wild honey. Now, man, I can go there with him on honey. I love that mixed with. Maybe he was dipping the locusts in the honey. I, I don't know. But again, look what John has. Un- look who John has unchained himself from. He's unchained himself from the authority of his mama and daddy. They may be long gone by now. And so what John is doing is that he is believing the message that his dad spoke to him through God. That God spoke to him. And he's believing that he is the voice. And so remember, he's, they're kind of well off. And he's, he's dressed in what I would think is not the dress of the day. But he doesn't flinch. He said, this is who God's made me to be. I'm unchaining any kind of thought you may have of me and going to the authority of the One who made me. The One who spoke life to me. Because in the craziest ways, until God opened up Elizabeth's womb, He's not happening. And so here He is speaking out that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the one that I want you to unchain your heart from unbelief in who He is. And so people, verse 5, people from Jerusalem and from all over Judea in the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. I bet. And when they confessed their sins, they, they're, gang, what they're desiring there, in a confession, when you've confessed anything, what is it that you're seeking in that moment? Alright, I heard relief. What else? Forgiveness. Amen. I'm seeking forgiveness. I'm seeking relief. Anything else? Why do we chat with one another and start unpacking some of this heaviness that we have sometimes? Looking for a me too. Absolutely. Looking for our heart to connect somehow. Super cool. And so, one thing that I want to make sure that we understand, the word confess means to openly acknowledge. Alright? And so what John is starting to say is saying, look, you remember that Jesus said the world's sin is its unbelief? Alright, so if Jesus is saying, I want you to change your heart, I want you to unchain your heart from unbelief to belief. What John is saying that when Jesus comes, your belief in the way that you were accepted by God is about to change. It will have zero to do with you and have everything to do with Jesus Christ. That all of your righteousness, all of your acceptance will be based on who Jesus is and not what you do or don't do. And so confession, gang, you gotta, you got to hear me here, is not asking for forgiveness. Pins always drop when I say that. 
Confession is an open acknowledgement that my forgiveness comes through my acceptance of Jesus Christ and who He is in His life, in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection. And so here's the litmus test for it. So what do you base that on, Bivo? Alright, let's go down that road just for a second. If you were to ask for forgiveness, what do you base on the yes or no? And so I think that's a great question that you can equip yourself with when people ask are in that quandary about it and going, well, you have to ask for that. And they'll go to Scripture 1 John 1, 9 all the time. Guys, the word is confess. And so what we're doing is that we're like John. We're openly acknowledging that in my unbelief, Lord, I've got no way to You except through Jesus. I'm openly acknowledging that, Father, right now me eating 5,458 cookies or me doing whatever is not best for me. Thank You, Lord, for the forgiveness that I have through Jesus Christ and I can live in freedom and unchain myself from the past and stop dragging it. So is there anything that we've chained ourselves to in the past that we're still dragging around that we need to unchain ourselves from? It could be thought processes. And that's where it is mostly is our thought life. And so let's keep going. And so uh, John is still on the scene. People are jumping in the water. And the prophets are look, or the, not the prophets, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're looking at him, and they're only. And so, can you imagine the way that they're looking at him? <laughs> he's doing what they're supposed to be doing. He he's saying, "You don't need these cats anymore. We're about to have the way to God through Jesus Christ. Your confession is straight to Him. It's not through them anymore." And so they're even on the scene, and don't flip over there in John 1.21, he says, are you the prophet we're expecting? They're asking John this. And John goes, nope. But he's coming. <laughs> he's coming. I leapt when I was in my mama's womb. He's here. And he was here a lot closer than what they thought. And he said, nope, but he's coming. And then here in verse 7, back to Matthew, verse 7, Look what happened. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. He said, you brood of snakes. Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Verse 8, Prove by the way that you live, you have repented. You have unchanged your heart. You have changed your heart. That's what he's saying. Prove by the way you live that your heart is chained. Unchained. And changed that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Gang, here's another question for you. What's he looking for? See, some versions, some translations say that he, what he's saying, he's saying, change your heart. Prove by the way that you're left that your hearts have changed and turned to God. Now, he's talking to the people that are representing God. So, let's kind of put this in, in as much perspective and context as we can. It would be like him going to every pastor in town and saying, prove by the way that you live that your heart has changed and bears fruit. What's he wanting to see? 
y'all hear that? Love. So he is slowly stripping the authority away from these guys. And they ain't digging it. At all. Some of them do, because we'd see much later this cat named Nicodemus come and start talking to Jesus. So we can't throw all of them under the bus, can we? But John is changing the way that we are accepted. He's changing the way that our hearts are going to start beating. He's saying your heart gets to be unchained from the old. And that you start to live in the new. And so he goes on and says in verse 11, he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's an amazing plus to a yes, isn't it? Gang, that's a life-changing yes. That's a heart-changing yes. And so again, even that in the changing, unchaining of our heart, what are people looking for us that follow this crazy man named Jesus? You can always go there. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love never wants its own way. Never, love is not arrogant. Man, if I could just put my name in front of every one of those... And therefore, all the more reason why we have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because, see, me can't do it. <laughs> That's great English, isn't it? <laughs> he through me can. I'm going to go down to verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. That's just the craziest scene ever. I just, I still, it's hard for me to get my mind around that. Because John is the one, remember back in John 1, he's going, behold, he, he's just screaming it out. He's not, he, <laughs> he's not on the bank just going, hey, behold, there, there's the Lamb. Hey, guys, there's the Lamb of God who takes away all the sins of the world. He's not, he's not flippantly just saying that. He's going, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I mean, it's his friends, it's his family, it's people that have been following him. And next week we'll see the very first one, Andrew, that says, dude, you're right, I'm out. See you later, John. He's screaming it. Here he is. And now Jesus is getting in the water and saying, John, you've got to baptize me. What? Are you kidding? Uh-uh. No way. So verse 14, John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? Flip. He said it should be done for we must carry out all God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Can you imagine, gang? He's taking our Lord, our Savior, and He's putting Him down in the water, foreshadowing everything that we were going to be about. That he's laying him down in that water and he's eyeballing him. And he's looking at him and he's bringing him up out of that water and this water is just washing down over him. And then look what happens. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. That's a pretty good day. That's an amazing day. That's a crazy life-changing yes. What if he'd said no when he was 13? What if he said, Dad, you're just nuts. All the pushback he got growing up, because you know he did. All the people that said, you're nuts, John. It's not true. He pushed through because remember, at the womb, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then a voice from heaven. This is my dearly loved son. I think he could put John in that bucket too. And guess who else he puts in that bucket? You. 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 Abba, Daddy. When you went down, and whoever was eyeballing you when you went down, and you came up and out of there with your life changing, yes, and your heart was unchained, he's up there going, Oh my God, I love them. I am so stinking proud of you. And he ain't looking at one thing you're about to do. All he's looking at is his reflection of him. John was plucked, gang, for a purpose. So are you. So am I. And it's a ball to live it with you because I love seeing you live out your purpose. <laughs> it's a blast, quite honest. And it's hard and it's messy. Right? So all the reason, like John, who said, I want to unchain people's hearts. See, the authority of Christ resides in you when you said yes. That makes you a pastor. That makes you have full authority to roll in this life like John did. <laughs> and you're preparing the way for others. You're the voice in the wilderness. Hello! Hey! And it will happen at the strangest of times. Mm. We're going to close. <coughs> He said yes. He, he was from womb to tomb, gang. <laughs> Remember that old saying? Womb to tomb. And so the thing is, what piece of your heart might still be chained up? If there's any piece of your heart that is still chained up, would you allow that to be unchained do what Jesus has already done and leave it here tonight. Unchain it. Break it loose in the power of Jesus Christ within us and literally leave it here. You can do that on the side. You can do it where you're sitting. But share that with someone and saying, I'm leaving this here tonight and what I want you to do is help me not pick it up anymore. It, it can be anything. It could be relationships. It can be the way that you think about yourself. If it's not in the same light of how Jesus sees you, then I would ask that you would unchain that and leave that here tonight.
We heard that it would be what would be the way that John that people would know that that our hearts have been unchained. If someone came up and asked you, said, "What was the biggest thing that happened to you when your heart came unchained?" What would you tell them? What would you tell them? And start sharing that. Start in your home. Start with those closest to you. And say, this is my life-changing yes. And you get to have them every day. You get to have them every day. Life-changing yeses happen every day. They're presented to us every day. Every moment. Father, thank You for a room full of folks that understand and get life-changing yeses. Lord, I'm just going to let the shuffling folks kind of get in place uh, for the next spot. I just want everyone just to kind of sit in the silence of it. Father, I thank You for Your life-changing yes. His name's Jesus. Father, You look down and man, throughout the years, You would give us a whole lot of stuff we begged for. We begged for kings. You gave it. We don't need it. We were begging for golden calves at Foots Mountain. We got it. Didn't help. So Lord, we're constantly wanting to chain ourselves to someone or something that makes us feel better about ourselves. And I have found in my days that the only place to chain up to is You. And when we do that, I become unchained. My heart is unfettered. And therefore, Lord, able to go and be who You desire for us to be. And that's a people that lives life wide open. Lord, we love You. Thank You for the way of Jesus Christ that gives us freedom and total acceptance in Your eyes. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.